0: Welcome to this edition of the JNNP podcast. Not long after COVID-19 was identified, it became clear that there was an increased risk of clotting and stroke. More recently, with the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine, there have been rare cases of cerebral venous sinus thrombosis after vaccination. Now researchers from University College London have identified several cases of large vessel arterial strokes after vaccination with the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine, which was recently published online in the JNNP. Joining me now to discuss this is senior author Professor David Waring. Who's Professor of Clinical Neurology at University College London, Queen Square Institute of Neurology, as well as Honorary Consultant Neurologist at the National Hospital for Neurology and Neurosurgery, Queen Square, and University College Hospitals, London? So, a very warm welcome to you, Professor Waring, and thanks for joining us. Thanks for asking me, Colin. Good morning. I might start by asking you if you could briefly discuss the existing literature with regards to the risks of uh, cerebral venous sinus thrombosis associated with the AstraZeneca vaccine. Thanks, Colin. As people will be aware, reports began to emerge
1: a couple of months ago when the AstraZeneca vaccine was being rolled out in very, very large numbers in a great number of countries. And this syndrome um, was one of uh, mainly venous thrombosis and uh, with a particular predilection for the cerebral venous sinuses with the unusual features of uh, thrombocytopenia, low platelets, and also it was soon realized that there were characteristic antiplatelet factor four antibodies. In terms of your question about the risk of this, well it's um, it's a, a moving target in terms of trying to quantify the risk. But as I understand it at the moment, um, in the UK, for example, the risk is around one in 100,000 uh, of this complication. Uh, so it's pretty pretty rare. And similar figures are seen in other, other countries. And it's interesting that the cerebral venous sinuses seem to be particularly affected in this syndrome, although it's different to conventional cerebral venous sinus thrombosis in some ways we think. uh, We need more data, but the initial experience is that uh, it seems to often affect multiple uh, cerebral venous sinuses. Uh, It seems to have a a really quite a poor outcome. It's a serious uh, illness. And of course, there's a very high rate of extra cerebral thrombosis, particularly places like the portal vein. Uh, so this is a this little bit, seems a bit different to the phenotype of conventional venous sinus thrombosis.
0: So your article adds uh, new and important information with regards to uh, strokes associated with the uh, AstraZeneca vaccine. Perhaps I could get you to talk through the cases that you've uh, reviewed. Yeah, thanks Colin. So
1: um Yeah, the novelty of this report really is uh, describing in detail three people who'd uh, received the AstraZeneca vaccine and presented to hospital with symptoms and signs of ischemic stroke and were found to have large vessel occlusions. I should say that uh, ischemic stroke has previously been uh, noted as part of the vaccine-induced thrombosis and thrombocytopenia But it had really just been uh, sort of mentioned in tables of uh, patients and it's not been described in any detail. So the the new uh, observations in our paper, the idea is that these will be helpful for clinicians in recognising the syndrome early. And that's really important because it's got specific treatment. So what did we find? Um, Well, first of all, it's, uh, it's just three case reports, basically. But all of these people presented to hospital. With symptoms of, uh, of ischemic stroke. So, um, in one of the cases, for example, the patient presented with a, a middle cerebral artery territory syndrome of hemiparesis and um, language disturbance, and were found to have a proximal occlusion of the middle cerebral artery. And this was, of course, in the context of low platelets and anti-PF4 antibodies. Um, and the other, the other two cases were similar um, in terms of being found to have large, large artery occlusions. These patients were found to have low platelets, as I said, and they were treated in the way that um, is recommended for this syndrome. Uh, we, we've got guidance from the expert haematology panel. And uh, we conventionally use immunoglobulin with or without plasma exchange, sometimes with uh, steroids, and also heparin is avoided as an anticoagulant because it seems to drive this process, which has a similar pathophysiology to heparin-induced thrombocytopenia. These three cases uh, presented with large vessel occlusions, low platelets, anti-platelet factor four antibodies, and were treated according to the guidelines. Uh, unfortunately, one of the patients, the, the one with the proximal middle cerebral artery territory infarct, had uh, unfortunately malignant uh, MCA syndrome, which required decompression. And despite uh, all the treatment, they unfortunately had a severe hemorrhage into the infarct and, um, and died from, from this. The other two patients actually seemed to respond pretty well to the immunoglobulin and anticoagulation
0: So what do you think are the key takeaway points in terms of diagnosis and treatments that uh, clinicians need to be aware of when being presented with potential uh, vaccination related uh, strokes?
1: So uh, we must remember that uh, venous sinus thrombosis in this syndrome is much more common than ischemic stroke. And that's obviously by contrast with uh, presentations outside the context of vaccination, where ischemic stroke is the commonest type of stroke, 80%, 85% of all strokes. Whereas conventionally venous sinus thrombosis is only about 0.5% of strokes. So the thing in this syndrome is that we should really be uh, particularly vigilant for venous sinus thrombosis and the symptoms of that, all neurologists will probably be aware with we talk about headache as a really common feature, although rather non-specific in character. It can be thunderclap, it can be migranous, it can be non-specific, but it tends to be severe and it tends to be persistent. And with that headache, We're looking for focal neurological uh, symptoms and signs. So we're looking for um, potentially sensory motor disturbances, visual disturbances, language disturbances, and so on. Uh, It depends, of course, on the site of the venous occlusion and the site of uh, any venous infarction and hemorrhage. So clinicians need to be aware for any of those symptoms in someone who's received the uh, AstraZeneca vaccine or uh, within uh, five to 28 days. And in terms of ischemic stroke, neurologists will all know that we need to be alert for focal sudden onset uh, symptoms and signs. Uh, I should say the three cases we report uh, had varying degrees of headache as well. So I suppose headache is a clue in terms of a a typical ischemic stroke presentation. Prominent headache uh, is something to look out for. But probably the most important thing is anyone who's had uh, the vaccine And as you know, it's mainly the AstraZeneca vaccine, although there have been some similar cases with the Johnson & Johnson, the other adenovirus vaccine. But anyone who's had the vaccine within that uh, sort of uh, 28-day period, you need to test them quickly for the vaccine-induced thrombosis, thrombocytopenia syndrome known as VIT. And that means making sure you get the platelet count back quickly. And it means checking for anti-PF4 antibodies ideally with an ELISA assay. And um, if you find the low platelets, below 150 seems to be a a reasonable cutoff with these anti-PF4 antibodies. And the other thing to look out for is a a raised D-dimer of above about 2,000. All of these things are clear pointers to this syndrome. And in this syndrome, immunotherapy is critical, Uh, immunoglobulin with or without plasma exchange, Avoiding heparin, so alternative anticoagulation is really important with, uh, for example, uh, Ogatriban or um, Fondoparinox, for example. And all this is in the context of typical management of the underlying uh, neurovascular problems. So in in venous sinus thrombosis, uh, in some cases, endovascular treatment might be considered or a hemicraniectomy of space-occupying venous infarction with raised intracranial pressure and in ischemic strokes all the usual therapies for revascularization need to be considered particularly mechanical thrombectomy uh, of course.
0: Finally you've also published uh, an article um, l- late last year assessing uh, the characteristics and outcomes of COVID-19 associated stroke in the UK and I suppose this leads to the question of association between both COVID-19 and and some of the vaccines in terms of causation of of strokes. What do we know at this stage about the pathophysiology and potential link between both the virus and the vaccine?
1: Uh, Thanks, Colin. So my understanding of it is that the biology is quite different. So in in COVID-19, a particularly prominent feature is evidence of thromboinflammation, as it's termed which is um, basically evidence of endothelial dysfunction and activation of the coagulation cascade. And this may be to do with the uh, virus, the SARS virus binding to ACE2 receptors, which are abundantly expressed in um, endothelium. So endothelial damage seems to be a prominent triggering event in COVID-19. And although you do get a mild thrombocytopenia in COVID-19, it's it's not to the extent that one sees in the vaccine-induced thrombosis and thrombocytopenia syndrome. Uh, so it's just a mild reduction in the platelets. So I think COVID-19, its a direct viral endothelial effect probably is key for the pathophysiology, whereas in the uh, vaccine-induced uh, thrombosis, thrombocytopenia, it seems to be a, an immune-mediated phenomenon whereby um, these antibodies to platelet factor 4 seem to be key. And in order to to cause this syndrome, the antibodies typically uh, in heparin-induced thrombocytopenia, the IgG antibodies will recognise a complex between platelet factor 4, which is cationic and uh, anionic heparin. And it's speculative uh, as to whether the adenovirus vector in these vaccines could behave as um, uh, could, could bind to the PF4 antibodies, allowing the crosstalk between um, IgG cationic platelet factor four and the adenovirus. But I think there's probably more work to be done on the exact pathophysiology, which is which is going to be really important, so that vaccines can then be engineered to avoid this uh, side effect potentially. But uh, So uh, in summary, uh, COVID-19, it seems to be predominantly viral effects on the endothelium, perhaps mediated via the ACE2 receptor binding, whereas in the vaccine-induced syndrome, it seems to be an immune response and uh, antiplatelet factor 4 antibodies are a key part of that.
0: So I think there's going to be a lot more important information to come on this subject and I think all of our listeners will be uh, keeping their eyes peeled for cases and keeping up to date on the literature. Um, and I'd like to remind all of you that uh, both the articles I mentioned are available at the JNNP website to download for free. So uh, that just leaves me by thanking my uh, contributor Professor David Waring uh, and hope to... Uh, See you all back next time on the next podcast. Thanks and goodbye.